0: Hey, thanks for checking out this sermon. It's designed to help you take your next step with Jesus. And if you haven't been able to make it to one of our campuses and participate in the time of giving, you could do so online through our website or by texting to give so that you can continue to participate in the mission that God has given us. We hope that God speaks to you through this sermon. Is born. Hey everybody, Merry Christmas. Uh, we are now in the Advent season where Christians uh, spend the weeks before uh, the Christmas day thinking about the coming of Christ. And uh, the word Advent means waiting and uh, it also means anticipation. And so we are in anticipation of celebrating the birth of the Savior uh, of the world. And we're in this series we've Titled Go Tell It, where we're preparing each week sermons that we hope have takeaways for you, uh, where we'll tell you a part of the Christmas story and then kind of prompt you a little bit on how to share that story with people uh, around you. It's one thing to invite someone to church, which I hope you're going to accept Becky's challenge to do that. And it's another thing for us to just be in conversation with people about Christmas. And we're not talking about manufacturing conversations or uh, somehow in a clumsy way steering the conversation toward uh, Jesus. Uh, but just to ask the Holy Spirit for opportunities and just say, I will, if I, if I sense an opportunity, I'll go ahead and speak up uh, for you. If you're willing to talk a little bit more about Jesus, the Holy Spirit is actually already giving you opportunities to do that. And so stop resisting that and stop being politically correct or whatever uh, because it's politically correct to talk about Jesus at Christmas. It's his birthday. And so, uh, and if somebody says happy holidays, you don't have to make a big point about your Merry Christmas, or, uh, as I actually did with my dentist, because he knows, I'm, he knows who I am. And so when I walked out, you know, my mouth is kind of numb, and he says happy holidays. I looked at him, I go, really? And he goes, okay, Merry Christmas, sorry. Uh, I'm like, thank you. All right, so our story opens uh, with an angel visiting a priest. Luke chapter 1, verse 6. And you can remember the last time an angel came and talked to you. So this is just a normal story. Uh, The priest is a man named Zechariah. His wife is Elizabeth. The author, Luke, tells us that they're well along in years and that the one thing they had wanted to have after they became uh, married was children. And now they're elderly and they've never been able to have children children and this has been a prayer request of theirs for many many years. Uh, He's serving his two week shift in the temple and this angel appears to him which scares the daylights out of him and the angel says to Zechariah the same thing that angels always say to people when they appear to people in the Bible and what's that? Don't be afraid of me. Uh, Which is funny because uh, the angels that you see in a lot of paintings, you wouldn't be afraid of them. I mean, you might be afraid of those little babies with big rear ends that, you know, maybe they need to have a diaper. But uh, a true angel is going to scare you a bit when the first time uh, you, you, you see them. But, but he says, don't be afraid. He says, I got some great news for you. Your prayers have been answered. Your wife, Elizabeth, is going to bear a child, not just a child, but a son. And actually, you're going to name him John. And he's going to be the, the forerunner, this kid, John, his middle name, the Baptist, uh, made that up. But uh, uh, the angel goes on to say he's gonna be an exceptional child and that he's going to usher in Messiah. And, uh, and so Zechariah's response to this should have been what? Amazing, uh, joy, relief, right? What well, was none of those things. Uh, I don't know if he was having a bad day or he was just still thinking, you know, this isn't really an angel, I'm dreaming this, but he's... Uh, Kind of skeptical, and he just he starts questioning the angel, and he asks for even more proof that this is actually going to happen. To which I think the angel gets a little ticked off. I, I'm not sure. You can't. Uh, do angels get ticked off? Uh, because the angel says, "Do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? I'm Gabriel. Yeah, Gabriel. There's two angels named in the Bible: Michael and me." I stand in the presence of God. I was sent with this message for you, and this is gonna be your response. You know what? I'll give you a sign. Here's your sign. You're not gonna be able to speak for the next nine months, starting now. Just a sip it, and think about the next time an angel talks to you, and we already have a takeaway. What's the takeaway? Zachariah's skepticism about something he's prayed for all his life. When it comes true, he doesn't believe it. And you know what? That's really common. When a person prays for something for a long time, uh, and finally, it, when God in his perfect timing answers the prayer, and God always answers prayer, but, not, but rarely in the way that we want him to, and it's not always yes, but nevertheless, the prayer is answered, but Zechariah is skeptical because it's not, it didn't come when he thought it was going to come, and it didn't come How? He thought it was going to come, and so he, he's, he's skeptical, and that's the takeaway, and here it is. If you're going to continue to ask God for something, you need to continue to believe. And I would ask you, what, what, what prayer have you prayed for a long time that is still unanswered? See, here's the thing you could be sharing with your friend this week. You could be telling this story. You could be telling your story, and then you could ask them, have you asked God for something your whole life and never gotten it? And that would open up an amazing conversation. And then you could tell your friend, take the sage advice out of Scripture, but also the prophet Steve Perry of the band Journey. (laughs) Who who sang? What did he sing? Don't stop. Amen. Amen, Steve Perry. (laughs) Christmas is a season to refresh our faith. Every Christmas movie has a Christmas miracle. So Christmas is a season for miracles. So start believing again for your miracle even if you've been asking for a long long time even if you stopped asking and gave up let's refresh that and let's ask God again all right back to Zachariah and Elizabeth because just like the angel predicted she conceived and she wasn't skeptical she was overjoyed she says the Lord has done this for me you can read it there she says the Lord has taken away my shame Now we'll check back on this couple next weekend, but for now let's fly north with Gabriel because he's got somebody else he's gonna talk to. Who's he gonna talk to next? You got it, let's go. Luke chapter one, verse 26. It was the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy when God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a village in Galilee to a virgin named Miriam. Now we call her Mary, but Mary's the anglicized version of the Jewish name. Miriam, very common name in biblical times. as evidenced by the multitude of Marys in the New Testament story. All of them, no doubt, named after Moses' older sister, Miriam, from the book of Exodus, who was an amazing woman who lived and led in another dark time in Israel's history in that pivotal point when the darkness became light. Uh, You remember her little baby brother, Moses. And Pharaoh was uh, threatening the the baby boys. Uh, They were afraid there were too many uh, Hebrews being born to them and they would someday come, they would someday revolt. So they had this, this pur- they were going to purge the baby boys of that generation. And Moses' mother and his big sister Miriam took Moses, put him in a basket that they had um, coated with uh, pitch or tar, a little boat, and uh, they hid him in the, the shallows of the Nile in the reeds there. And uh, but had, Miriam had to be there to watch over him. And uh, but there she is. And who comes along? Come on, you saw a prince of Egypt. Who comes along? Pharaoh's daughter, the princess, and for a swim. And she's there, and she sees this little baby in a boat. And so she's keen to adopt him and take him home. He's so cute. And uh, so she's going to take him home. Well, Miriam goes, oh, no. And so she scrambles, and she says, hey, listen. I know someone who can nurse this child and who can take care of him for you. I mean, he can still be your son and everything. And the princess thinks it's great. And Miriam goes home and gets their mom and mom moves in uh, to the palace to take care of her, of her own um, son. So now fast forward many years later. Moses returns now. Miriam is much older. Moses is much older. He's been in the wilderness because he had to flee Egypt. It's another story. Uh, he comes back. He rescue, rescues uh, Israel. And they cross the Red Sea. And the, 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 the sea closes over Pharaoh and his armies. And who picks up a tambourine and leads the women in celebration and worship, it's it, it, it's Miriam. So now, first century uh, New Testament times, when you name your daughter Miriam, it's with the hope that she'll grow up to be as strong and as clever uh, and as bold as Moses' big sister. The name Mary means we rebel. We rebel. Very popular name in the first century for girls. Uh, people back then were thirsty for revolution. It's, it's like when, when, when her father names her, he's like saying, this is my little rebel. You know, she's going to grow up and, 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 and help us um, push the Romans out. She's going to rebel. But you know, um, the Holy Spirit had even bigger plans for Mary. Uh, hers is a, a story of faith. Hers is a story of favor. Um, when God sent Gabriel with the news about the big changes in her life, um, she was a teenager in Nazareth getting ready to be uh, married. Now, she was betrothed to Joseph, the Bible says, which is somewhat like being engaged, only it's more uh, binding. I mean, it actually took a divorce to break a betrothal, even though the couple weren't yet living in the same home or sleeping in the same bed. Uh, she's, she's at her house preparing to be a wife and gathering all her stuff. He is at his parents' house adding on a couple of rooms to the family uh, home where he is... Uh, then going to uh, bring Mary to be his wife. But then Gabriel appears and changes everything. Here's what Gabriel says Greetings, favorite woman. The Lord is with you. He uses the word favor. It could be favored, favorite. It could mean uh, one who has been graced by God, uh, preferred. It's a beautiful, beautiful. A word. Far better than luck or, or, or karma. It's not random. It's intentional. It's personal. Uh, Gabriel's telling her, God chose you specifically uh, for a, a, a mission. But this uh, confused her. And it says she was troubled, which means confused, or not necessarily like, oh, good. I've been expecting this. It was more like, what? Why would God favor me? I didn't know God even Um, knew about me, and she would have known her Bible uh, as well. We know she knows her Bible by what we're going to study next weekend as she quotes Scripture in her psalm that she sings. Uh, So she knows her Bible, and she knows that when, anywhere in the Bible, when God shows up and says, you're favored, and I'm with you, that also means he has a mission for you, and that there's going to be some real highs and some real lows attached to this. It always happens when the person hears this kind of a message or greeting, uh, for example, she knew that when God favored Noah, his wife, her life drastically changed. And uh, if she's not out there helping build the boat, she's in getting things ready uh, for the cruise, and her friends think she's, thinks her husband has gone off the deep end, and and then she lives to see all of her neighbors drown. So, um, you know, there's, yes, yeah, she's rescued, and her family's rescued, but, uh, and when God favored Abram, his wife had to leave her family, her, her 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 parents, her gods, and ventured into this new uh, adventure with her husband in Canaan. And then God makes is making all these promises to him that involve her bearing uh, a nation of children. And so she uh, that, that that's not easy for her as well. When God favored Jacob, he marries two wives, and that puts them into this really unhealthy. Uh, dysfunctional competition with each other for the rest of their lives, for his affection, uh, for them to produce uh, more children than than the other one. Uh, when God favored Moses, his wife had to be involved in the circumcision of their sons, and she doesn't even understand circumcision. I'm not sure Moses understands it, but he's doing it because God says to do it, and so she's not happy about that. When God favors Esther, she has to risk her life to save her people. The list goes on and on. Whenever uh, uh, God says, uh, you're favored, that always means there's going to be, um, it, it's, it's going to be a road less traveled, and, uh, and, but on the other hand, yeah, it's going to be stressful, but it's also super cool to be chosen by God for something great, and this year, I saw something different uh, each morning as I studied this. Um, when, when Gabriel calls her highly favored one or one whom God is with, it's kind of like he's renaming her. Uh, as if he's saying, I know your dad named you rebel, but you're not gonna be a rebel. You're not gonna be known for that throughout history. Uh, you're gonna be known as Mary full of grace. And uh, uh, th- there's just a new identity attached with the new mission. All right, so that's the next takeaway. If you're paying attention, here's the next one. Um, how God's plans will change us, Um, God has bigger plans than even your parents imagined for you. And if you're willing, God can can not only rewrite the script of your life dramatically, he can change your personality dramatically to to match the things he wants you to do. Whereas your family said you're this and only this and you'll always be this, God comes through and says, no, I, I know the plans I have for you. And, uh, you know, years later when people run into you and they hang out with you, they're going to say, you are not the person that I used to know. And you can say, yeah, God has given me a new purpose and, and a new name. In Christ, I have become someone who I never could have been before. So that's why this is a takeaway, is it's part of your story. If someone wants to hear your story, you can say, well, I was this, but then... Because of my relationship with Christ, it's more than a religious thing I do on the weekends. It's, it's actually affected my entire personality, uh, and I have been radically changed. God has chosen me, and he has changed me. And, and as you share that, be careful it doesn't sound arrogant, like, oh, God has chosen me. But it's almost more like you're amazed that God has chosen you. Um, but you're also glad that you said yes to him. Um, because his big plans for you have become very, very uh, exciting to you. Now, for some of us, it means we're still asking him what that is. Like I don't know what Steve is talking about. God has never given me a mission or a. I don't know. I don't know what this. But for, for and so that that person it would be like, well, just seek the Lord on that. Uh, either his timing. Isn't in play yet for him to reveal that to you, or uh, he has been telling you and you just haven't known how to hear it. So just ask him again. Just say, "Be more plain with me," or "I don't understand." I want to serve you. I just don't know what it is you want me to do. But then for others of us, we actually do know. And uh, either we we got distracted, or we resisted it, or and we might want to dust that off and go, "Wow, you know, I might want to reconsider God's mission." for me. All right, back to Mary's story, where Mary's trying to wrap her brain around why an angel would appear to her and tell her she was special, and this is where Mary comforts her, and he or Gabriel comforts her, and he says, once again, don't be afraid, and don't be afraid of me, and don't be afraid of what I am about to say, so she's all ears, and he says, you will soon be pregnant. You will soon be pregnant, and you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, which means God's salvation. He's going to be great. He's going to be called the son of the most high. The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Well, to us, those sound like words made up by Gabriel, but he's quoting Old Testament scripture. These are Old Testament words, words that are always used to describe the coming Messiah. Gabriel is telling her that this unexpected baby, her son, is the Messiah. Her son is going to change the world. But Mary has one question, and what's her question? It's one word. How? because I am a yeah could she have possibly known Isaiah's prophecy from uh, chapter 7 verse 14 behold a virgin will conceive and bear a child it's interesting to me that a few Bible scholars will always jump in here and tell us that well you know you know in the Bible the word virgin can also just mean a young woman Okay, uh, that's true. But there's, that's not what she's saying. There's very little ambiguity in what she's saying. When Gabe tells her she will soon be carrying a son, she doesn't say, how can this be since I am a young woman? <laughs> right? Sometimes just logic helps. <laughs> but it still takes faith. It doesn't take faith to say, to see that the Bible is saying this, but it still takes faith to be- believe it. There's a lot of things in the Bible that take Faith to believe. I pray that everyone here can muster the faith to believe what Mary says is true about herself. But it's still, it is a miracle. Now, as you're working through believing it, I'll just tell you, the, it's not even the biggest miracle in the Bible. There are bigger miracles in the Bible than the virgin birth of the Messiah. Uh, it's not even the biggest miracle in this story The greater miracle is not that she got pregnant. Is that it's that who he is. Jesus is, is, is. The story of Jesus is going to be more about who he is than about what he does. The, Mary, the Bible teaches that Mary's son is also God's son, the sinless son of God, a sinless God taking on human flesh. Now, if this isn't true and the virgin birth isn't true, then later when he makes himself the perfect sacrifice for sins... That doesn't make any sense. Because if the virgin birth didn't happen, then who is Jesus' father? Joseph says it's not him. So either Mary and Joseph are lying about that, or it's, Jesus is just the product of, of sex outside of marriage. And not that that would make him a bad person. It just wouldn't make him who he said he was in John chapter 8. It wouldn't make him who he said he was in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus claimed to be the pre-existent God. So if he isn't God, you wouldn't want to follow after him because he's either crazy or he's lying. He's, you wouldn't want to put your faith in a teacher who thought he was the literal son of God, raised by a mother who claimed she was a virgin when he was born. And it'd be downright foolish of you to put faith of him on facing him on the cross. Because if he's not born of a virgin, he's not the perfect lamb of God, and he can't take away your sin. He's just another cult leader executed by government for lying to his followers and rebelling. Uh, But Mary didn't lie to Gabriel, and Jesus didn't lie to us. He really is Emmanuel, God with us. All right, back to Mary, who only asked one question before embracing God's plan. One question. It took her all of 15 seconds to agree to all this. If I were Mary, I would have had so many questions before I would have finally maybe agreed to it. I would have asked for time to think about it. I would have checked. I would have phoned a friend, you know. But she said, all right. The angel fills her in with the details. He says, here's how it's going to work. You ask how, here's how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you overshadow, to cover in a cloud. It's the same type of word used in the book of Genesis as the creation where the Spirit hovered over the waters. The Spirit of God is going to hover and overshadow Mary. It's the same words um, where uh, God brought the law to Sinai and a cloud comes down over Sinai and Moses goes up into the, into the cloud. Only now, God's not bringing them more law. He's bringing them grace. Um, And Gabriel knows that all of this sounds impossible, so now he says something that is said often in heaven. He says, Mary, nothing's impossible with God. This is our next takeaway. Nothing's impossible with God. Say it with me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Maybe your finances are upside down. This Christmas is going to be a little light. Well, God can, God's working on that. He can help you with that. Maybe the doctor told you some really bad news. Well, okay, but nothing's impossible with God, you know. Maybe your prodigal hasn't come home yet. Maybe you're estranged from someone you love over a fight that happened years ago. Nothing's impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. Maybe you're single and uh, you refuse to settle for the wrong person, but now you find yourself older and you're thinking, I think it's too late. It's not. Nothing's impossible with God. Maybe you're married and you assume that by now you would have children, but you haven't been able to get pregnant or you got pregnant and you haven't been able to stay pregnant. Well, this story is all about pregnancies. Ask again. And once you're done thinking about yourself, think about the people you're talking to. Because a great question, if you get to that level in a conversation, would be, do you think anything's impossible with God? And then take that conversation wherever the Spirit leads it. All right, back to Mary, uh, who immediately responded to the assignment she's been given. I am the Lord's servant, she says. May it be to me as you have said. And that is the most epic response in all the Bible. Because it's so immediate. It's so complete. This teenager hears about her life, that it's about to be turned upside down. And this is how she responds with immediate and total trust in God. Even though this is the first she's heard of it. Even though it complicates her life in every way. Here's what she says. I serve Yahweh. Let this happen in me. Her response is even more impressive when we take in consideration that a, uh, Mary lived in a day and age when a girl found pregnant outside of marriage was, was ostracized. Um, life in her village wouldn't be much fun. And her, 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 the things that would be whispered about her or not even whispered would shame her family, her fiance's family. Moses, or Joseph would be uh, expected to divorce her. But here's Mary. She knows that. But she accepts the scandal. The word scandal comes from the Greek skandalon. It means stumbling block. She accepts that she's going to become a stumbling block. The people are going to stumble over her pregnancy. But she didn't come up with this plan. So she just says, if that's what the Lord wants me to do. And she knows she hasn't sinned. But now she's going to be counted with the sinner's. The Bible talks about Jesus this way, her son. Her son is later gonna stand silent before his accusers as they number him with the the transgressors. But you know, Mary's gonna suffer long before Jesus ever does. Eight days after he's born, um, they go to the temple and uh, a a, a prophetess named uh, uh, Anna comes up and she speaks and prophesies over Jesus. And this elderly gentleman named Simeon, the Lord had promised him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's salvation. And he takes Jesus in his arms and he realizes that he's looking at the Lord's salvation and he blesses Jesus and then he tells Mary, this, ch- this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. He'll be a sign that will be spoken against and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. It's 33 years later when that prophecy comes true. Mary's at the foot of the cross where her son has been dying all day and then after he dies a Roman soldier comes and to confirm the death he thrusts a a sword into Jesus' side and Mary witnesses that and it's as if the sword pierces her as well. A mother watching her son die. She didn't know this when she said yes to God. But you know, I have a feeling that if she did know, she would have said yes anyway. I agree, I'm the Lord's servant. Whatever he wants to do is fine with me. And this is what makes Mary so wonderful. Because she couldn't see into the future any more than we can, but because she belonged to God, she was willing to do whatever he asked. As I've sat with this this week, I've wondered, have I ever in my life Responded to God so quickly and so completely when he was obviously changing the plan. How about you? for most of us, our faith walk involves little bits of faith, um, one step forward, two steps back. Uh, some of us are prone to negotiate with God when he tells us the plan's going to change well okay if, but I need, you know I need something in return we say in our own Way. most of us wait for more details until we decide or when we have to, after we have agreed to serve the Lord and then it turns out to be inconvenient or painful uh, and the Lord hasn't taken away our distress, we say, well, this isn't fair. I, I've been serving him my whole life. Why is he treating me like this? You know, Mary's life, is like, her life would have been easier had she said no. You need to be aware of that because God hasn't promised you an easy life, just a good one. The promise is not that we won't suffer. The promise is that we will be allowed to partner with him as he saves the world from hell. I want to be in that army. We sing about this at Christmas time. You know, Christmas is a, is, a, is a funky season because we have all these really goofy songs. You know, thumpity, thump, thump, thumpity, thump, 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 look at Frosty go. I mean, there's some lyrics, let me tell you. They worked hard on those. Um, and there's this, this reindeer with low self-esteem, with a nose that's red and inflamed, you know. And those are fun. But then there's these really meaningful songs. And you don't hear these the words to these much anymore. You definitely don't hear them in our schools, because they've washed Christ right out of his own birthday in our schools. Um, And you don't you don't hear that you you might hear the tune out there shopping, but when you come into church, you can sing the words. You can know the words, like 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 this one, written in the eighteen hundreds. Listen, look at the words of this one. God rest you, merry gentlemen. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ, our Savior was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Hmm. Or this one: O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. O come, thou rod of Jesse, come thine own from Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell, Thy people save and give them victory or the grave. I mean, Frosty's cool, but being freed from hell, I, I don't know. <laughs> the takeaway is this. It's a gift. Uh, I asked Trisha and the worship team if they would put together some uh, um, playlists for us. And so they put together four different playlists and labeled them. And if you want to have playlists playing in your car or your home or your phone, here's the link. Um, and you can... Uh, Yeah, there it is. And you could do a screenshot of that, or you could just write it down. It's easy. You just go to the website, and then you look for the the Christmas uh, songs. And next thing you know, you're going to be having a Christian Christmas in your home. And uh, all right, so back to Mary. One more takeaway before we uh, wrap this up, Uh, because Christ is conceived in Mary. But at Christmas time, something is conceived in all of us as well. Jesus is wanting to be birthed out um, of our community as well. That we would be willing to, to risk whatever has to be risked. That we would sacrifice any plans we might have had. That we would be bold about this. Uh, that Jesus would be birthed out of our families, out of our homes, out of our uh, with what, you know, whatever neighbor that we come across that we would become imitators of Mary and Joseph and imitators of Jesus as well, that we would mean it when we pray like Jesus. Not my will, but your will be done. Not my plan, your plan. Let your will be done in my life. For us to say like Mary, behold the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Would you read that out loud with me? I just wanna hear your voices saying it. "Behold." You know, Protestant and Catholic theology uh, lean in on on Mary being the Virgin Mary. I love how the Orthodox Church focuses a little differently. Uh, Not that they don't believe it, but they have this other word they use a lot, uh, theotokos, uh, God-bearer. Mary is the original God-bearer. In her, God takes on human skin, which is what he wants to do in our skin. God wants to become flesh in us, in our thoughts, in our motivations, in our reactions, in our decisions, in our finances, in our in, in, in what we decide to do for others around the holidays, in our hands, where we go. You know, we're serving people over this next 12 days. And that's inconvenient. You know, we picked it, we picked a busy season for you to be serving someone else. So we did it on purpose. Because if you, if, you, if you take your kids to serve someone else during the holiday, you're raising good kids. Because they, they learn that it's not just about them. It's not just about what they're going to get for Christmas. It's about Jesus and what he came to bring and how we come to bring that same thing to a dark world around us. at This Christmas, God wants to birth something out of us, and it starts when we imitate Mary, and we believe the story. We choose faith over fear, and we believe when God, Gabriel, like what Gabriel says, we just believe it, that nothing is impossible with God. I promise you, this is the last thing I'm going to have you say, but if you say it, it'll get into your brain. Nothing cornerstone. Ask God to help you believe that. Now let me pray for you. Father, I come to you with this beautiful congregation in view, a group I have grown to love dearly. I thank you for the privilege of telling the story to them again. Lord, I've been telling this same story every Christmas for 40 years now. I love this story. And even as you have refreshed it with some new thoughts, I pray for the person who's intellectually struggling with things like God created the heavens and the earth, or Jesus was born of a virgin, or Jesus resurrected from the dead, or Jesus will return, that heaven is a real place. Lord, I pray that their faith would uh, transcend And not that they would put their knowledge away, but they would say there are certain things that cannot be completely explained that are still true. Lord, help us to have faith this Christmas so that we can fully enter into the meaning of the story. Lord, help us dads to step up in our homes and make sure that Christmas in our home is a Christian Christmas. Help the, us, help the moms to, to, to do their part. To not let the children be lured into the materialistic ways of this holiday. Sure, we're going to get them presents. We love getting our kids stuff. But that's not even close to the meaning of Christmas. Help us, Lord, along with uh, a silly Christmas movie, to have on a beautiful Christmas song in the background. Lord, I pray for those that are single, that are raising children, working so hard, and now this season gets even busier. Lord, as they look forward to their Christmas break, and the kids are going to be home, and the single parent is wondering, man, I've got to figure out childcare and this and that, help us also to say, yes, but this is my opportunity to pour into my children in simple ways. A nativity scene that we play with and talk about the characters, an advent calendar, things where we, we, we open up the scriptures and say, kids, we're Christians. Lord, I pray for those that, that, that are living with roommates and, 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 and I pray that their home as well would feel and be a Christian home. Lord, that when people come to visit us, even if it's someone just very quickly coming in and out of our home, but, or if it's someone that, uh, that, that, that's there a little bit longer, that they would want to linger. We invite them in. We we have time for them. Give us opportunities, Lord, to go tell it and give us the boldness to do so. And now, Cornerstone, I bless you in the powerful name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit.